93, these psalms that are focused on God's reign. Psalm 97. And like Psalm 96 before it, Psalm 97 is an invitation, not just the fact that God reigns, but an invitation to the world to um, recognize this, to come and to worship the Lord. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright heart. Rejoice in the heart you, in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. As again, as I mentioned, Psalm 97 in the same vein of all of these psalms um, that we've been in, Psalm 93 up through Psalm 97 here. And really, this psalm comes right out and, and states it more plainly than any other psalm, right here at the very beginning. This is the big idea of this whole psalm. In fact, it's the big idea of this whole section of the psalms, that the Lord reigns. And what you'll see as you work your way through this psalm is this is not just a statement of fact. But even in the context of this psalm, it's an announcement of arrival. It is true that the Lord reigns, and it is true that he is coming to reign. The Lord reigns in the universe, and Christ will set up his kingdom on earth. He will reign. So the Lord reigns. Generally, he is in control. He is God Almighty. He is creator, as we have saw even last week in Psalm 96. And so Psalm 97 Invites all the earth to rejoice at this. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. The idea there of the isles is, is, is those um, far lands. Those places on the edges of civilization. The idea here is the whole earth. The Lord reigns not only in Israel. He reigns over all. So let the earth rejoice. The fact that the Lord reigns is here seen as good news. Proclaim this to all the earth, that the Lord reigns and that is good news. But then in verses 2, really down even through, through verse 7, here what we see is a terrifying vision of the coming of the Lord. And yet, even as we mentioned last week, it is not a vision that fills the saints with dread, as we'll see in verses 8 to 12, but with joy. But here in verse 2, we see 
this Lord, our God, coming. And what does it look like? Well, clouds and darkness surround him. The idea here is, is the effect or the power of the Lord's presence. Think of a storm, right? We get a lot of those in Iowa where it can be a beautiful day and then all of a sudden on the horizon you'll just see dark clouds and the wind starts to pick up as those clouds blow over. And it's almost, it's, it's kind of menacing, is it not, as you see that clouds coming across, not really the plains, I guess we live in Des Moines, but, you know, across the sky <laughs> towards you, right? It's menacing. You don't know what it holds. You, you, you know the power, even as a whole. We had one of those the other night where the whole lightning would strike, and you didn't really necessarily see the, the strike of lightning, but just the whole sky would light up. It's just, it, it's powerful. It's intimidating. That's the idea here. Clouds and darkness surround him. As he comes, he comes in royal splendor and power. This is even Exodus language. Looking back to Exodus 19, verses 16 to 18, the Lord at Sinai. As he is there on top of the mountain, and how is he described? Clouds and thunderings. In fact, the whole earth is shaking. The, the whole mountain is shaking there around the people. As God is there in his power. This is similar language that we see in passages like Joel 2, Zephaniah 1, and Matthew 24, looking even forward to the future day of the Lord and his coming. They have that very same language of clouds and darkness. This is something to be taken seriously. There is power here. And yet the good news Given his great power, it's indeed good news that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In fact, righteousness goes on to be a theme of this psalm. As we see even here, his reign is characterized by righteousness. Down into verse 6, we see the heavens declare his righteousness. And even in verses 11 and 12, his people are known by his righteousness. But this righteousness and justice, it is the foundation of his throne. It describes his reign. Yes, he is powerful. And he is coming in judgment. And yet he is righteous and he is just. Some of this judgment is described in verses 3 and 4 and 5. A fire goes before him. Burns up his enemies round about. Again, this is language uh, of the Exodus. The idea of a, a, a cloud, as we saw in verse 2 here, a fire, harkens back to the Exodus as God leads his people through the wilderness with a cloud and with fire. A fire goes before him. It burns up his enemies round about him. His lightning light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Again, the whole earth there. This is a universal reign. His power is not limited to Jerusalem. It's not limited to Judah. His power is over the entire earth. Again, this is a terrifying vision of the coming of the Lord. But it's only terrifying based on your perspective. Are you one who falls under his judgment? Or are you one who believes and who serves him, as you'll see even in the, as the psalm goes on? 
Verse 6, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. This is familiar language that we know from Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 talks about uh, the fact that the, the, the heavens again declare the, whole glo- the glory of God. Everyone has seen. There is no excuse. The idea of general revelation. And yet here, in Psalm 97, verse 6, the idea is not necessarily general revelation. But this has in mind more of a specific declaration of God's glory in the heavens. Specifically, like that declaration at Sinai. As the clouds over the mountains, the thunderings and the lightnings, declaring not just his glory, but his righteousness specifically. Or even in Matthew 24, at the the coming of the Lord, the signs in the heavens that declare that God is righteous and he is coming. It's a specific declaration, not just that he is God, not just that he is powerful, not just that he is glorious, but that he is righteous. Let all the people see his glory. And let all be put to shame who served carved images, who boast of idols, who worship him, all you gods. Those gods that you serve in life, they'll mean nothing when the Lord comes. When the whole sky is lit up, when the mountains are melting like wax. That little carved image on your mantle is not going to do anything for you. And then verse 8 contrasted with the shame of the idolatrous who have put their trust in these things that can't save them. In contrast to that is the joy of believers, of God's people. As seen in verse 8, Zion or Jerusalem hears and is glad. The daughters of Judah, or, or not just Jerusalem, but all the surrounding cities around even. All of God's people rejoice. And here's the fascinating thing. At the end of verse 8, it doesn't say they rejoice because of your mercy. They rejoice because of your glorious power. They rejoice because of your grace. It says they rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. You see, a righteous people rejoice in a righteous judgment. Justice is coming. And our God, who is powerful, he is bringing it in righteousness and in justice. So they rejoice at that righteous judgment. We often think of judgment as a bad thing. And it is for those who are guilty. And yet even the illustration I used last week, think think of sitting in a courtroom. As justice is handed down, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. As the innocent are declared innocent and the guilty are declared guilty and justice is done. So that's what we find here. God's people rejoicing that justice is done. Judgment has come. And that leads to rejoicing in verses 9 through 12. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. He alone is worthy. He alone is all-powerful. He alone has the right to judge, to bring this justice. And so therefore, verse 10, you who love the Lord hate evil. This is a call of application. If this is true and God is coming in justice, you who love the Lord, you must hate evil. Don't let it have any place. 
And this is a very clear black and white contrast between the Lord and his righteousness and those who love righteousness with those who love evil. Evil here is anything that stands against Yahweh's purposes or transgresses against his commands. And you who love the Lord, you who are his people, hate evil. Flee from it. In fact, don't just flee from it, but fight against it. Verse 10 goes on. You who love the Lord hate evil. That can be an intimidating thing, right? The world around us is evil. To hate evil is to be in the minority. To stand up against it is likely going to bring suffering. It's going to draw attention to you that you probably don't want. And yet the end of the verse brings comfort to that. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. As those who love the the Lord are commanded to oppose evil, they are also encouraged by the Lord's protection and deliverance. You must hate evil. And as you oppose that evil, and as the wicked stand up against you, I will preserve you. I will deliver you. For I am faithful, and I am powerful, and I am just, and I am righteous. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked. But you must hate evil. And finally, verse 11 and 12, his people are known by his righteousness. Verse 11 is interesting. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. There's a bunch of different ideas of what in the world light is sown means. But really what you have here is you have light and joy. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright. Gladness, joy there. And really when you back up and look at the the whole psalm, I think in a sense this light here is contrasted with the fire and the lightning that that accompanies God's judgment in verses 3 to 5. And here God's light is sown. It is not coming in judgment in the form of fire or lightning, but it is sown. This is God's good and prosperous intentions for his people. He has sown light among them. If someone sows seed in a field, they care for it. Light, God's good and prosperous intentions for his people are sown among the righteous. And joy is sown for the upright in heart. And the idea here is that what is sown will be brought to bear. It will grow up. So this light, this good and prosperous intentions, this joy that is promised here and God's sowing it among his people will come. God's goodwill will be done. His people will prosper. And joy will be ours. So, verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Rejoice and give thanks at the remembrance of his name. Two things there. Number one, remember. Rejoice in the Lord and give thanks at what? At the remembrance of his name. 
You have to remember it. You have to know it. You can't remember something you've never experienced. Remember it. Know it. And then as you remember, rejoice and give thanks. Praise him for he is worthy, even as we've done tonight in song, even as we gather and we open the word of God. Even as we do once a month as we gather at the Lord's table. As we sit down and we testify to one another of what God has done as we pray for one another. As we gather at men's prayer breakfast, as the ladies gather at their events. In all of these things, as we disciple our children, our grandchildren, as we pray together as couples, in all of these things, we are remembering. We are rejoicing. We are giving thanks. Why? Because the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. And what does that mean? As this psalm has told us, that means judgment on the wicked and care for the righteous. That's really what this whole psalm boils down to. It starts with the declaration, the Lord reigns. And what does that mean? Judgment on the wicked and love and care for the righteous. Therefore, rejoice. And that's it. That's the big idea. Because God reigns, rejoice. Find comfort. You who believe in him, find hope in that. That's one of those truths I think that, that we know. I think every single person in this room would say, yes, God reigns, I know that. But it's one of those truths that it's so hard to take root in our hearts and to really live like that is true. For that not just to be some academic fact that we know, yes, God reigns. But for that fact, that truth, and everything that flows from that to lead us to verse 12, to rejoice in the Lord, to give thanks, because we remember that. Remember that your God reigns. Remember that justice is coming. Remember that his good and prosperous intentions for his people and the joy that he promises, joy that passes understanding, that it is coming. For he is just. And his judgment is good news for his people. We rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. Let the fact that the Lord reigns give hope to your weak. Give hope to your month, to your year. I know there are people right now who are going through some very difficult things. Know that the Lord reigns. Find comfort in that. Find hope in that. Even as we now turn our attention to some prayer requests, remember, even as we are taking these prayer requests, even as our hearts hurt, many of us are going through some difficult things, remember that the Lord reigns. Um, and with that, we will transition to prayer requests.